Broadcasting from coastal California to coastal North Carolina. East to West, Pacific to Atlantic, nutrition to fitness. iPickFit is here to deliver realistic, scientific, and sustainable resolutions to optimal total body health. We are your hosts, Danny and Danielle Duravage, two experts united that will detox, repair, and revolutionize your life. iPickFit. Hey everybody, welcome to the I Pick Fit Podcast. You are here with your host, Danny Duravage and Danielle Duravage. And today we're going to talk about the Runner's Diet Handbook, revolutionary scientific principles that will prepare runners to peak performance. So last week we kind of went into training plans and how to make that goal and how to actually make it to the finish line, no matter what level you're on or understanding your level. And this time we're going to go even deeper into the scientific principles. So we're going to learn a little bit more about what is endurance, what is cardiorespiratory, what is muscular endurance, you know, the things that are needed for endurance athletes, athletes specifically within their diet and fuel or fuel from the diet and fluid intake and all of those things. So that's what we're going to do today. Here we go. We're going to today we're just going to dive into it. So what do you I need to know about endurance athletes. So I kind of wrote that question real quick because there's there's some little foundations of physical fitness that we kind of can learn about that so we can apply it to our training plans as we go. So endurance is the foundation of physical fitness. So every activity that comes into like working out or a sport, endurance is a vital, important role. So when we have endurance athletes, we must understand the importance of training both muscular endurance and cardiorespiratory endurance. These two components are vital functions that have to be trained efficiently in order for the endurance athlete to perform the desired exercise. So we also have muscular endurance. Take it away, Danny. Yeah. So yeah, just like you were saying how we have muscular endurance, cardiorespiratory endurance, you know, so muscular endurance is the ability for to contract a group of muscles that can maintain force without fatiguing for a long period of time, so like an hour or longer. Um, And then when you have cardiorespiratory endurance, your body is able to deliver oxygen throughout your bloodstream to working muscles so that muscles can can contract continuously uh, throughout the entire duration of your exercise, um, utilizing both respiratory system and muscular endurance. Yeah. So So then we have endurance athletes, like you're talking about your marathon or or even... Uh, 30 minutes, more than 30 minutes. But then we have ultra endurance athletes. So your regular endurance athletes are those who perform 30 minutes to four hours, like constant exercise nonstop. All athletes should put importance on the endurance and the need to train endurance in some way, shape, or form. So all athletes going over 30 minutes. Now, when it comes to the runner's endurance, the focus is even more vital for optimal performance and health to endure to really focus on that endurance training. Now, when we're talking about ultra endurance athletes, not the same as an ultra marathoner, but an ultra marathoner would fit into that category. But but these are people who are performing exercises over four hours. So like, for example, me and Danny, we passed the finish line of a marathon in five hours or a little under whatever it was. So technically we were in, an, we had got into the ultra endurance athlete section because it just took us a little bit longer to finish the marathon. So we we're a little bit putting our body into more force for a longer period of time just because of the level that we were at. So then we got nutrition. Yeah. So everybody 
is affected by their nutrition. Um, so nutrition needs for endurance athletes, you know, especially when you're talking about marathons is going to be a vital component to your health and performance success. Um, endurance athletes are going to expend, you know, tremendous amounts of calories, burning up all that energy that they're going to need for that, um, you know, for their exercise, not only in competition, but also in training, you know, just like we've talked about with training, you are going to be running a lot, especially when you're training for like a marathon. Like tons so in we a get, week. Yeah. Like sometimes like you're mm-hmm. training plane, you're going to run four times and that at some point it could be like 10, 13, 10, 17. And mm-hmm. in that week, that is a lot of running, a lot of hours put in place. So fuel becomes really important. Yeah. And, you know, the energy that we perform, you know, we need all of that from our food. And, you know, these endurance athletes need to put a huge focus on energy reserves, daily training, caloric needs, and making diet a really a key factor in their training, health, and performance. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a little caution about nutrition. One thing that, like, if, if you're an athlete and you're, you're in the endurance or even ultra-endurance, like, category... If you fail to focus on your nutrition, you can quickly engulf chronic fatigue, dehydration, muscle wasting, illness, and upper respiratory infections can all be a play. So like it's really important to figure it out for you because running for five hours without refueling, you're going to go into one of those methods, (laughs) mechanisms Mm -hmm. of one of those bad caution about nutrition section. So... Attention should be very focused on the timing you're eating and the comp- nutrition composition of the food that you're putting in your body. We need to make sure we have enough carbohydrates and there are enough vitamins and minerals and nutrients within that piece of fuel that we're putting in our mouth. It's really important. And even though endurance athletes expend tons of calories, this does not mean they should, however, eat whatever they want. So have you ever heard of people, Danny, like, you know, oh, I ran today, so that means I get to eat more? Mm-hmm. But sure, in some concept of like calories, you need to eat more calories, but you still should focus on quality calories that you're putting mm-hmm. in your body because you really want to repair those muscles so you can progress in your training plan. Yeah. It's not necessarily like, oh, I ran three miles. Okay, now I can eat whatever I want because I'm having more calories, you know? Right. I, I mean, the like- goal is like, yes, you want to kind of eat something healthy post-exercise so you can progress. But, like, don't just go eat a donut because you're like, oh, now I earned a donut. Because actually, Mm -hmm. like, a donut's going to be more calories than what you burned in three miles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, all these sports utilize different types of energy pathways. And we'll go a little bit more into the, like, a little bit of science-y section here that we all get excited for. Um, so there's different energy pathway systems. We've got three of them. There's the phosphagen pathway, the anaerobic and the aerobic pathways. So, um, just a little tidbit about what they are, the phosphagen. So that's when your body is, you know, using movements from one to three seconds long. So just like a quick jump, throwing a ball, pushing off that starting block, you know, your body's going to be using the creatine phosphate from your skeletal muscles to use ATP. So that's, you know, why your body is meant to have that muscle there is for those quick just like one-off movements. Um, And then past 30 seconds, that's when it goes into the anaerobic pathway. Anaerobic meaning it doesn't use oxygen right then. So 30 minutes to, uh, 30 seconds to three minutes, that's when it uses, um, you know, the glucose from your carbohydrates um, to make a little bit of energy. So that's the you know, when you're doing like a one set of squats or sprinting the 100-yard dash and, and doing something really quick. 
So, um, and then longer than that, you know, three minutes to however long your body needs that oxygen, you know, the aerobic pathways um, to make ATP. And those they're going to be for those longer movements. And this is where endurance, endurance athletes, you know, people using workouts longer than three minutes, you know, most things of a workout are longer than three minutes, but, um, but using those aerobic pathways. Yeah. And yeah. So aerobic, sure. So when you think of aerobic energy pathway, like you, you can usually feel like, I know, have you felt it when your body's like transitioning into the more aerobic energy pathway system during mm-hmm. a run like you can literally feel it because like sometimes you're like oh I'm getting tired 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 and you're like but I'm gonna keep going then all of a sudden you get an energy boost it's kind of like mm-hmm. one of those feelings so um the aerobic energy pathway has an unlimited capacity to produce ATP which ATP is a big long word but we that's what we use for energy ATP equals energy when I say that word and it cannot produce it quickly it takes a little it goes through a process to actually produce the energy and turn like nutrients into into ATP in the body and then convert it into the energy that we actually need. So endurance athletes can train their aerobic power in which is the speed at which their bodies can produce the ATP. So you can actually train your body to take in food and nutrients and fuel to get faster and faster and faster at creating energy. In order to max, so crazy because so it's like, who would have thought like that scientifically? Like, oh, really? My body can like eventually through my training convert food mm-hmm. into energy and I can actually produce, have more output at some point. Insane. So in order to maximize our aerobic energy pathway, we must eat the correct nutrient composition at the right time while increasing our aerobic power through diet and cardiorespiratory fitness training endeavors. So that is the process. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the biggest difference between endurance athletes and other athletes is the qual- the quantity of food that they're consuming. You know, when you talk about endurance, when you think of just running for you and running, you know, maybe for your mental health or something like that, like you're going to want to care about what you're putting into your body so that you can live, you know, that longer, healthier life. And you want to think about it, you want to like kind of put a a more of a higher focus on it too, especially if you're going to be competing. This is where you're really going to see the biggest difference, you know, like when you're running a marathon, cutting back your time in, you know, minutes to even longer. So, yeah, Um, absolutely. Like, for example, like even like the quality of food that you're putting in your mouth is so important. Like for me, like eating like a small orange or a banana or, or making sure that like the the food that I'm putting in my mouth comes from a natural source, like honey for sh- for more of the mm-hmm. sugar intake, can help your body process things more efficiently, and that would aid you in increasing your aerobic power. Mm-hmm. And it really makes for a whole different type of of workout and training yeah. in general too. Like having a slice yeah. of pizza before you go run versus having, you know. An orange for me, especially, oh, yeah. makes like the biggest thing. My stomach would churn if I had a piece of pizza before mm-hmm. I run it. And a lot of people like they think of spaghetti dinners a couple nights before the night before as like the most efficient way to like carb load. And we'll get into carb loading, carb loading later. But um, for me, I would do more of like a mixed vegetable, rice and beans, like heart, like mm-hmm. a total macronutrient dense 
meal with, you know, mm-hmm. chicken and avocado and all of that stuff. So all these, it, that would give me more power, especially when I was a nursing mom. I needed more, more than just like pasta. I needed the stuff yeah. that was actually going to repair my body, actually keep producing milk, actually give me the energy that I needed. So like pizza or, or pasta can work for some people for sure. But for me, like I needed a lot more nutrients to keep my milk supply mm-hmm. up in addition to marathon training. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's when, uh, so now we're going to switch into talking about, you know, those differences. So your, your glycogen energy stores. Um, so that's how your body stores, you know, glucose and carbs and it's going to be stored in your liver right away. Um, you know, when you first have excess and then eventually it'll get stored into your muscles as well. And that's, you'll use that for your, you know, quick first 30 seconds, um, of energy use. So in endurance athletes, you know, these stores can be stressed due to the extreme caloric need, uh, um, needs to perform the exercise. So that's, you know, they're a big, a big portion of that. And fats are a huge component in getting enough calories, um, cause fats are worth more calories per, per amount, um, in endurance athletes and helps, to, you know, transport glucose. You know, we've talked about how um, fats also help um, deliver kind of like a boat. You know, they kind of form like a little boat with some of the um, amino acids from proteins and they'll help transport vitamins, you know, A, D, E, and K, and they help transport glucose as well to those cells so that they can turn it into energy. Yeah. So carbs are those biggest energy um, you know, it's the biggest importance for energy. They support the aerobic energy pathways. And, um, so glucose is the word that we're gonna, you know, it's like the wood for the energy fire essentially. And then proteins, they're not as important for energy. Um, but you will need them for like muscle repair, muscle repair and, um, training, pr- uh, progressions and keeping that out, you know, yourself healthy overall. Um, cause yeah. essentially you're, breaking down your muscle to use, you know, as you're like constantly contracting and everything. And then you're going to need those proteins to help build it up. Yeah. <clears throat> so, post, so yeah, post-exercise an endurance athlete should consume immediately 200 to 300 calories, like within 15 to 30 minutes. Like ideally like grab it. Like if you've ever done a race, there's like all of these foods on the side, mm-hmm. bananas and bagels and you know, protein burgers and all this stuff, like immediately 200 to 300 calories, followed by a snack, like pretty quickly, at least within the one, you know, one hour mark, ideally, but you have up to two hours to like consume a snack. And then you're going to move into finding a really quality meal after that. So it's almost like within four hours, you have like, boom, and then now we're at the hour mark, boom. And then at the two hour, three hour mark, boom, real meal. Mm-hmm. So you got to really focus on that because we're trying to like repair all these muscles. You've done so much to your body and fatigue. And if you don't eat anything at all, because sometimes you just want to go home and take a nap, like drink water and take a nap. But because like you've been constantly eating throughout your race, if you want to progress in like your training and you want to keep going, you must go through those mechanisms to progress in your training when it comes to like repairing your body and like longevity and optimal health for the next thing that you're going to do with your life. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, first we'll start talking about carbs and go into how they affect us. So they've got two vital functions for endurance athletes. 
um, you know, energy and metabolizing fats. So in energy terms um, and thoughts, you know, our liver is depleted of glycogen stores and, uh, you know, extreme fatigue can follow, you know, because the body's going to start pulling glycogen from your liver first and then from your muscles. And that's when you'll see that, you know, hitting the wall feeling um, when we're running. It's, um, that's when your body's starting to pull from your muscles because not only are you, you feel that way because not only are you using and contracting your muscles to power you, you know, to like contract to push yourself off of the ground, but then it's also pulling from your muscles to get energy. So that gives you that big wall feeling. Yeah. That's why you got to keep eating throughout your run. So like you can keep producing more energy. So like once it's coming out of the liver and then the muscle, if you've depleted all of that, you're going to like smoke hit the wall, like to the point where like, mm-hmm. you're like, I can't continue. And especially in like endurance training, you know, you get to that 15, 16, 17, at least a 20 mile mark. That's all in your head. Cause you are hit, hit the wall. 18s mm-hmm. where I'm like, no way. And like, yep. you know, and then once I get to 20, I'm like, this is mind over matter. I can do it. But 18s where I feel like is a struggle for me to not hit the wall just because it's like, I have, even if I'm continually eating the carbs, it's like the mental, like, I don't know how eight more is going to go. I've made yeah. it to 18. I got eight more. So it's just something to think about. Like, you have to keep refueling with carbohydrates because yeah. this can be catastrophic to the athlete and the energy production that they will need to finish. Yeah. And like we had talked about last episode, you know, about when Danielle and I ran the marathon and she introduced me to those honey bee stingers. And we had one every 30 minutes, which is essentially um, just a little around the three mile mark, you know, that's where I, that's where I usually hit my wall, you know, it's about every 30 minutes or so. And it was really funny how much of a game changer it was, Mm -hmm. you know, just being like, okay. It's like, yeah, and it caught me right before I would hit my wall. And that's what you really want to, that's why you want to keep your field. Absolutely. And the honey in our body specifically like metabolized very quickly. So you could feel it pretty fast Mm -hmm. once you consumed it and it hit that Mm -hmm. stomach especially when you're hydrating correctly at the same Mm -hmm. time. Yeah. So carbohydrate stores are limited oftentimes and because of the long duration of endurance athletes, the time to exhaustion is directly related to the glycogen stores in the muscles. So, uh, and then carbohydrates also aid in normal functioning of the central nervous system. So if you're not replenishing those carbohydrates throughout your race, you're going to go into like, damaging potentially your central nervous system which is mm-hmm. you're the way you think the way you see the way you contract muscles the speed like telling your body to do everything that it needs to do or like the brain will tell it to do what you want it to do but a lot of times the central nervous system will want to give up if you're not fueling it like giving mm-hmm. it some good carbohydrates so carbohydrates can help us prevent that brain fog i was just talking about so because they are regulating our blood glucose levels and our nerve cells rely on replenishing these carbohydrates this is so they can maintain the right level of blood cl- glucose in our body for the energy. Mm-hmm. So, and and the whole reason, like why it's going to cause that brain fog in the central nervous system is, and why it's going to affect your nerve cells and stuff too, is because your cells are meant to use carbs to function. You know, that's just where it's going. And so, if you starve it of carbohydrates, you're like not going to have the 
best performance you're gonna have. You're gonna starve exactly. yourself and have that brain fog. Because so. there's still carbohydrates in fruits and vegetables. So like oh, sometimes yeah. people think of carbs as like just like pastas and breads and whatever. But like you're getting the carbs your body really needs, all those healthy nutrients all from the vegetables mm. and stuff. So so just remember that like those are two very helpful in, yeah. in choosing what type of carbohydrates you're using. Yeah. And so now we're going to talk about carb loading. So that was something that we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, So it's really going to help you maximize those glycogen stores in your muscles prior to the race, right? So when you're loading, you're going to, you know, as you're not using it right then, your body's going to store it. And this is going to really help make sure that you're not depleting your, you know, depleting your stores so rapidly. Um, You want to make sure that it's stocked up. So It's going to provide more time until exhaustion so that hitting the wall, like we were just talking about, can be prevented. So how we do that is six to seven days, you know, before the race, you should be resting your body um, to prepare, right? You don't want to, like, exhaust yourself before you even get to the starting line. Yeah, you're not running Um, 15 miles in a day that week. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Hopefully not. Take some love, (laughs) yeah. Unless you're, like, pro. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. And make sure, you know, that you're, like, stretching and... And sleeping's really going to help to like help your body. So make sure you're getting enough sleep, drinking enough water. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, during that tapering period, you know, like while you're starting to carbo load, you know, you should be increasing your carbohydrates instead of having 50 to 55% of your calories, it should be, you know, more like 65 to 70%. So, that which week. is really like yeah, that week. Uh, so, which is essentially 8 to 10 grams per kilogram body weight increase, um, you know, to help maximize those muscle glycogen stores. Yeah. So, here's just a few, like, liquid carbohydrate options, like, whether you're having it before your race or after your race that are kind of quick to, because it's in a liquid form, kind of quick to replace those carbohydrates. So, some people like to do a juice, like a real juice, like, ideally, like a pressed juice or some, you know, even like juice mm-hmm. when it comes to like juicing vegetables and all kinds of stuff and fruit mm-hmm. all mixed like together. Like carrots and beets yeah. and like that would be like the ultimate goal. But like if you have to grab like apple juice because it's just readily available, that's going to work as well. But ideally you're juicing. But And then milk. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can do milk. I can't do milk very easily, but it's definitely an option. Almond milk is just as good, whatever you got to do. And then smoothies are great because like they're cold and the texture can help you. When you don't feel like drinking and eating anything, those are a great option. And any other liquid form of carbohydrates is one of those that are going to be quick to restore, quick to replenish, because it's going to take the body and the digestive system less work to actually replace these energy stores than when having to drive it from regular food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so that'll happen, you know, like the week before leading up, you know, when you're training. When you have, um, when you're talking about the day of the event, you know, right before, um, it's it's still just as important to have, you know, carbohydrates the hours leading up to it so that you can increase your blood glucose levels. Um, You know, it's going to help spare your muscles, spare your liver glycogen, um, enhance your muscle performance. So... Danielle, you found a study that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, so I'm probably not going to say this right. Like the, I think they combined the last names or something. But the, there was a study performed by Chrysanthopoulos. 
I don't know. But it was in one of my books that I was reading and in sport nutrition. So it found that runners who performed on an empty stomach versus those who ate three carbohydrates three hours before the race, two and a half grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight, had a 9% sport performance increase. So those who, you know, didn't eat any carbohydrates before the race did not perform as well as those who had carbohydrates three hours before the race. So yeah. the idea, the ideal amount is two and a half grams of carbs per kilogram of body weight three hours before the race. So they actually yeah. increased by the nine percent, which is kind of a lot when you think about mm-hmm. like a ten percent performance increase. Like we, that's like shaving off fifty minutes of our race time. Yeah, like if you think if we finish the race in five hours, you know, almost ten percent of that would be fifty minutes. So we could have completed it. And, you know, significantly. A little after four. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Yeah. And especially when people talk about, you know, when there's, um, like there's a runner on that I follow on Instagram and she's like a marathon runner. And, uh, in order to qualify for the Boston marathon, you know, she just had to get down a couple of minutes in order to qualify. So she, she goes and goes and goes. And the year prior, she wasn't able to qualify. And then this year she was training harder and harder and was finally able to get down those couple of minutes. And so it's, you know, when you're competing in a lifelong athlete and, you know, your body is essentially more like a machine, you know, and you're just going and going in order to really fine tune it. Oh, yeah. This is where it plays even more. So I kind of wanted to correct myself. So I was thinking in terms of 100. So it wouldn't have been 10 minutes per hour. It would have been six minutes per hour. <laughs> so oh. I said it wrong. I just wanted to get that clear so maybe it would be oh. 30 something minutes six times nine. Oh yeah whatever that is but close I was close yeah so yeah so still a decent amount now we're going to talk about during the race so we've got over it a little bit but we'll get a little more sciency with it so once glycogen stores are depleted in the body the body will then rely on blood glucose levels for fuel so especially within the two to four hour point in order to maintain blood glucose for oxidation in an athlete the athlete has to replace energy stores through food and drinks during the race. So 60 to 66 grams of carbohydrates should be consumed per hour of exercise. It is also important to experiment with the foods and drinks that fuel you're creating fuel with that works for you because things can happen if you're not consuming enough enough or potentially consuming the wrong drinks and foods for you. So dehydration can occur huge. Diarrhea can occur huge. I've see, you can see mm-hmm. people have like oftentimes during a race like run into a bush and you know, oh no, they grabbed something along the way they hadn't been used to or something and it mm-hmm. just hits them because dehydration often causes diarrhea. So like if they're not mm-hmm. feeling right or drinking right or, you know, running if they're sick. Or, I mean, there's so many mechanisms that go into why something like that like diarrhea would happen but and then you have stomach cramping like if you know mm-hmm. like if i have any gluten as fuel as a food for fuel i have a stomach cramp mm-hmm. and then intestinal discomfort follows with all of those things as well so it's really important to train what you eat with what you eat and what works for you and to kind of adjust it as you go mm-hmm. very vital Yeah. And for me, like if I have too much of it too fast to say like something, you know, like a little bar or anything like that, like if I had the entire bar versus like a bite or two, it's a totally different experience. So it's like, you know, I would have, 
depending on what your food source is, you may have to stretch that 60 to 66 grams per hour, like over the course of the hour rather than all at once. Like, okay, starting this first hour, this first five minutes, I'm going to whip down this, you know, bar or whatever. And my, uh, my stomach would churn. It would not be happy with that. Yeah. Even if you have to take, uh-huh. like, even if you do use a bar, just take a little bite, put it back, wait like 15 mm-hmm. more minutes, take a bite, put it back. Take a bite. Mm-hmm. You can even break it up into pieces that, like, can so it can last you throughout. So it's continuously making that ATP in a, in a way that your body can actually use all of those nutrients for energy, and not turning into like having to go to the bathroom and like turning mm-hmm. into fibers. And your stomach hating you and in knots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so carbohydrate consumption after the race is critical for recovery. So important. Like I said earlier, I was like, you got. 15 to 30 minutes, ideal 15 minutes. And then you're going to want another snack within that hour. And you're going to want a meal within that three-hour mark. Mm-hmm. So in carb so- consumption post-race aids in, in the digestion, absorption, and delivery of those nutrients. So making sure you grab that in there, it helps you digest it all, absorb it, and deliver the essential nutrients for repairing those muscles and, and giving you energy again and not just like mm-hmm. crashing. And then consuming... A substantial meal, like I said earlier, around the one to two hour mark and and three to four hour mark. So you just like keep it coming, but and not so fast. Like Danny said earlier, don't like like during the race, you just want to eat everything. It's like make sure you're slowly giving yourself like a time schedule. Okay, this is what I'm going to even if you have to pre-plan it because brain fog happens after a race. You're like, I don't know. I just want to sleep. So make sure like you have something like even if you put them in containers, this is my 15 to 30 marker piece eat piece of food. This mm-hmm. is my one hour food. This is my two hour food. This is my four hour food. And then sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. cause it's really going to help, uh, your body recover from the race as well as prep it for the next, you know, in the future, your next exercise, yeah. your next race. And, you know, ideally you're consuming whole food nutrition choices. You know, that's going to focus on a low fat dairy and real fruit, you know, just like we were talking about with like you want essentially high protein, low fat, low fiber. It's going to help really go through your body um, and help prep your body to make those processes happen just quicker, quicker, quicker. Just like Danielle was saying in the beginning, like you're really helping prep your body become the most efficient that you can be. And you can help change your body so that it's more adapting to like the lifestyle that you're going for, that tr- what you're training for. Yeah, absolutely. So important. So next we're going to go into the protein needs for endurance athletes. So potentially strength and power athletes and sprinters are needing more protein, you know, during their like events and like post-race. I mean, we still need it in endurance athletes, but it's really, really important in the strength and power athletes. But 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight to maintain the nitrogen balance. So that's just part of the, the puzzle to like, digest and turn things into fuel you need nitrogen so the goal is to use protein turnover into the body so because of the excess contractions of muscle over a long period of time we've come to the realization that some proteins will eventually be used as energy in endurance training like at some point it's going to use it for energy more than likely so adequately I mean, adequate protein intake daily is the goal and will help aid in the muscle maintenance and muscle recovery. So you don't need any excessive amount of protein post-race, but just having some, 
like even if it's just five, six, ten, you know, just a little bit, like whatever you're normally eating is just fine. It's just making sure that you actually have it in there. And then protein needs before the race. Protein intake before a race helps aid in satiation, slowing of digestion and maintenance of energy levels for a longer period of time. Protein prior to the race is beneficial in regards to branch chain amino acids, which delays fatigue. Although proteins consumed within one hour of a race can impact negatively on an athlete, no negative effects were shown when protein was consumed three hours before the race. The focus should be mostly on carbs, moderate proteins, low amounts of fat prior to the race for optimal performance. Protein needs... Oh. Yeah, so essentially, like, when you have... um Carbs are going to be your main focus uh, for energy. Your protein is going to be made like mostly for after. So when you have, um, you know, during the race, amino acids, you know, are secreted from your muscles, oxidized, metabolized during your endurance exercises. Um, and then proteins become essential. So, yeah, so carbs are going to be your main focus for energy, right? And then proteins are going to be you know, needed before and after your races, um, because amino acids are going to be secreted from your muscles during, and they're going to be oxidized, metabolized, and, you know, and metabolized during your exercises. So essentially they're going to be, proteins are going to be beneficial before and after rather than during, um, you know, when exercise reaches that, you know, four to 24 hour mark, you know, your, your flavor fatigue is going to endure and athletes often quit eating calories and fatigue's going to plummet because they're, you know, you don't really have that, uh, want to eat or chew, you know, during those exercises. Yeah. When you're in that ultra marathon or like that, that ultra endurance mm-hmm. part, like obviously like in a normal race, like we, we did the four to five hour mark, like for us, it wasn't that big of a deal, but for someone who's going to run like, you know, for, t- you know, ultra marathon or people who are running 40, 40- mm-hmm two miles or you know getting up mm-hmm. there create 75 miles all those things like they have to eat protein in some at some point within that race yeah but like they have to <laughs> like, yeah but yeah. when we're talking like a four-hour endurance training thing like you're you can be totally prepared having some before and some after even us having a five-hour race it wasn't essential to have it during the race but definitely before yeah. and after that's where you want to focus proteins on yeah, and so as you get into, you know, post your your post-race um, time, you're going to, you know, that's really what's also going to help you with recovery, you know, because it's going to rebuild those damaged muscles. It's going to enhance your insulin responses and um, accelerate glycogen synthesis. So just like I was talking about earlier, protein is going to help with your fats to help deliver glucose and the, those um, to all of your cells. It's going to help with that, repair those glycogen stores, and um, and help in delivery of nutrients for all your cells. So, you know, muscles can can get those micro traumas due to those constant contractions for very long periods of times. Um, and because of those micro traumas, you know, to your muscles, it's vital to consume protein in order to have those immediate repairs. So that's why it becomes really it should be consumed. You know, that fifteen to thirty minutes post-exercise, you really want to have, you know, six to 20 grams of protein immediately. So at least like a hard boiled egg or, you know, that's going to be your six grams or something. So you want to have at least something. Even a drink, like a protein shake or like whatever Mm -hmm. you can consume. Cause sometimes like 
you know, certain foods might turn your stomach. So you want to eat even just like in the, in the, um, liquid form mm-hmm. is like really yeah. important. That's why we have so many like organic post protein shakes and you can even get a plant based something, but, oh, yeah. and have that prepared with you or with your family to like immediately hand it to you tell you you have to do it because sometimes you really don't want to yeah <laughs> promise you're you. like i just want to sleep <laughs> i just want to die just kidding yeah <laughs> not, not die in reality but i just want to lay here. but yeah you're like yeah. can i just like numb my legs for a second here yeah absolutely uh, uh, like the rest of the day so that way you have continuous repair of your muscles so just like how you know you're talking about carbs having it you know 15 to 30 minutes and then the next hour to two hours and the next three to four hours the same way you're going to be continuing to repair your body the whole day so it's not just like oh only 15 to 30 minutes okay i'm done i don't need to do anything the rest of the-. it's like i don't need to care about whatever uh, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to care about you know what i'm eating the whole rest of the day it's like no that's not true you're really repairing your whole body so it's like just like when moms think about like, okay, I'm pregnant. I need to care about what I'm eating because I'm building a human. It's like in the same as in a similar aspect. Isn't that I'm repairing funny? and rebuilding my body. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go into the whole organic life until I had to take care of another baby. Like this, I'm growing a baby. So I wanted to be the best, most healthiest possible I can do, do the best I can in creating that. <laughs> and that's when I went into like learning about caring about what was going in my body mm-hmm. more because it's like, it's not just for me, like this little thing growing inside of me doesn't have a choice so I will give it the baby at mm-hmm. the time it's in it because you don't know what it is <laughs> I mean you don't know if yeah. it's a boy or a girl I say it but or what not that it even matters they, but yeah, blah blah I, blah yeah. the baby fetus whatever he doesn't have a choice so I have to have the best choice for the baby so that was mm-hmm. when my focus went really hard on it into like quality nutrients and organic lifestyle and all of that mm-hmm. And then so, you yeah. think like, but when you're an athlete, it's like in the same sense, you're rebuilding your whole body. So yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. But I feel like when I was younger, like, you know how when you're young, you're just like, oh, I can just do whatever I want whenever I, you know, it just works out for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you're younger, your you metabolism just, is so different. Yeah, you're like, just like, oh, it's fine. I can mm-hmm. eat Wendy's <laughs> and, and be fine. But like the older yeah. you get, like when, even in your 20s, like whatever, or when you go through a race, it really starts to matter. Like you're, mm-hmm. you making it to the finish line really starts to matter what quality nutrition you're putting into your body because you can feel it. Yeah, <laughs> like whether you're true. crawling across the finish line or, or just running perfectly in. happy. Just going. Yeah. yeah, so true. Totally different. So now we're going to talk about fat intake for endurance athletes. So increasing the percentage of fats in the diet does not increase performance for endurance endurance athletes necessarily, but the main focus sh- should always be on carbohydrates for a fool. Fuel. Fuel. Sorry. (laughs) Courage for fuel. No, fuel. So, but one thing that can be beneficial in for fat with endurance athletes is fat loading. So eating a high fat diet three to five days prior to the race or the endurance exercise that you're performing, even if it's your 15 mile run or whatever, can increase your performance. So focus point should be on fat takes longer to digest and can cause intestinal discomfort so like even though that's why you kind of don't want to load the day before the two days before you kind of want to give it a few days before because so that body can like absorb and have it ready for you but it can like during a race if you're having like eat fat diets can negatively negatively affect cardiovascular long-term health just like a high fat diet can clog you know organs and and hurt your heart and all kinds of things so be be aware that you know you don't want to have a continuously high fat diet as an athlete because it can cause issues later. 
Yeah. So, uh, so fatty acids before an exercise, so fat intake before an exercise, um, they're critical for meeting, you know, your total energy needs. Um, you know, just like having higher calories before for an endurance athlete, you need more calories because you're going to be burning it. And, um, the biggest focus we have on fats, uh, for endurance athletes is absorption of nutrients and vitamins and minerals. Um, and in addition to meeting those calorie needs. So that's the, the main thing that you're thinking about why you're going to be needing the fat is for the calorie content and for, um, to be able to deliver just like a system. So if you can have all these carbs, but then had no fats, it's like, okay, well then you don't have a way to deliver it, you know, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so they're going to enhance the flavor, um, enhance the flavor in foods as well. So, um, so they're going to help you produce hormones and aid in proper nerve function, um, and also aid in absorption of those vitamins and minerals. Fats are going to, you know, enhance the flavor in foods. That's where, you know, like we talked before, they're, it's going to make them taste a little bit better. Um, it's going to help produce hormones, aid in nerve function, aid in absorption of fat-soluble vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. Um, but really only a moderate amount of fats are going to be needed in the diet, you know, both endurance athletes and just humans in general. A diet with like 30 to 35% of your calorie intake uh, for fat is, this, is sufficient enough um, for endurance athletes. But one story that I thought was really funny that, Danielle, if you want to talk about during your, like, during the exercise. Yeah. So I had a friend who I've only seen this a couple of times in my life, but she would take a small potato and put a little butter on it. And she, this was like when she was hitting like a 15, 16, 18 hour, 18 miler when like you're like sick of eating everything else and you just want something to eat something different. She would put like this small, like a small potato and like a little baggie with a little butter on it. And it helped her absorb it just like helped her sustain, have something, some carbohydrate in her body, like from a starch that would like, you know, not a huge potato. It's like small, but it would keep the energy going like longer. So like the mm-hmm. it would um, because it, your body when you have carbohydrates, you have like you, like we said earlier, like in another episode, complex and simple. So like we have an orange, it's really in there really quickly. But then like if we have a potato, it takes a lot longer for our body to digest it. So like it's giving this like longer energy not mm-hmm. like for explosive power or anything like we're you know wanting with like a simple sugar like a quick fix like a quick to energy source but this was like a longer sustainable source and I thought that I've never tried it but I it really makes sense when we were like reading this I was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. like it just put it in perspective it made me remind my it reminded me of that story because I remember wondering mm-hmm. like I figured that would make me sick but it was it was just a really yeah. tiny piece so it was like a tiny, probably like half of a red potato or something with a little butter on it. And it just kind of gave yeah. her sustained energy throughout her well, race. I would think too, like when you told me about it, that if you're having, you know, the same sort of, you know, quick fuel source during, you know, whatever gel or honey or something, you know, maybe getting sick of the taste as, as you're like a few hours in, you're like, okay, this, I've had this exact same taste for the past few hours, Yeah, you know, and then maybe just wanting like something different and that fat is going to help it not only like go down easier and help it, you know, deliver easier, but also taste like in the a little butter. Bit Yeah. Like with the butter. Yeah. Well, you know, like a dry potato like would be, that's what I was trying to get out. The My bit. mouth would the, feel so dry. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> eating, even if it's cooked, whatever, but it's like, 
it would be hard to swallow, especially when you're like running a race. But she had butter mm-hmm. on it in there that kind of like, and she probably had it close to her body during, you know, keeping warm. <laughs> so like when she, so she could swallow it like little pieces because mm-hmm. the butter. So I think the fat did kind of help, you know, deliver that carbohydrate. And then having like the starch had it like, I mean, I don't know if this is good for everybody, but it did cure. Spike some curiosity in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I was definitely like, hmm, interesting. I want to try it. Let's just see. But, yeah. But yeah, sometimes you just need an idea, like for when you don't know or like kind of want to mm-hmm. try, definitely try it during training, not on race day if you've never done it before, but it's just mm-hmm. one of those things. So fat yeah. intake during endurance exercise, sure, on paper, consuming fats during a race would seem beneficial, but we really must make sure we're focusing on that carbohydrate and. Um, looking at the negative effects of having too much fat during exercise in order to understand if it's truly beneficial for you or not. Because obviously, like, you can use it for energy. Your body will use it for energy if it has to, if it doesn't have any carbohydrates. But is the delay in gastric emptying, like, going poop, like, (laughs) worth it? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) hello. And then slow digestion time, like, is that going to work for you as well? Like, is that, you know... Are you needing it in that way or is the cramping and potential diarrhea worth it? So it's like one of those things you super have to just utilize in your training plan and see how much your body can take or not, you know, Mm -hmm. when it comes to like eating fats. And then when it comes to an ultra endurance activity, so those reaching the four to 24 hour mark would benefit from fat consumption. So they really kind of need it at some point. So when we're talking about regular endurance athletes, they may not need it really until later, but um, to post-race, but um, definitely when you're talking about ultra-endurance athletes, they're going to start needing some of that fat to keep the calories up without their body like just crashing and not moving again. So mm-hmm. like we said, much of the consumption must be tested during training several different times in different ways in order to know which which way putting the fats in your body works best for you, whether it's from coconut oil, whether, you know, avocados can help certain people like because it's a natural source and you're not having like a meat source necessarily that could like turn your stomach differently, you know, finding what really works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because really like training is, it does play a very big role. I mean, I remember even as training for the marathon and doing, you know, running a, doing a 13 mile run, um, you know, on the little cement path on the beach and stuff, like, because it was such a sunny day, that one was harder for me. And then, and it was also earlier in the training. And then, you know, a couple weeks later did another 14 mile one on a similar path, but that one was like an overcast day. And I literally didn't change anything except for that the weather had changed and that made a big difference. So it's like, yeah, you're training, you got to try it in all different kinds of ways just to see how your body's going to react so that you're prepped for it and see if there's any way around it. Yeah, you know? for sure. Because sometimes like you don't know if it's going to rain on race day or if it's going to be cloudy or sunny. And if you had that training day, that was a similar experience. You might eat differently. You might consume, mm-hmm. consume energy differently that day throughout your race. So just be being as prepared as possible is so important to you know how, yeah. to, how to run on race day. So, yeah, fat intake after endurance exercise. So fat should be kept at a minimum post-exercise so that the main focus when you're, like, having brain fog can be the carbohydrates and the protein. And then figure out your fat later. But, like, really, really focus on getting those carbs in there to, like, keep you energized, to keep to eat for the next four hours. In addition to the protein to... 
that can help you, both of them, replace nutrients, restore muscles, and replenish the muscles. So this activity comes from carbohydrates and proteins. Just wanted to reemphasize that. It is not essential to replace fat due to the current fat stores most humans already have in their body. So if you had zero body fat, like I'm talking zero, 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 like you're like 0.5, like then it might be something you might have to do because you're going and you don't want to go into the zero mechanism, the zero mode of <laughs> because then it's going to eat yeah. your muscle. I mean, it's literally going to eat your muscles. So that's what we yeah. don't want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And when we say, when we say like low fat, it's really just because you know, more of that energy should be coming from your carbohydrates and your protein. So figure out those, what levels work for you in those aspects. First, most of the time, there's a lot of things that have higher fat in them, as long as you're not like adding specifically labeled low fat things. Most of the time, you're going to be, you're going to be getting enough. So just focus on your carbs and your proteins first, and then play around. If you want to play around with numbers, if you're like in your training and you're like, okay, I want to like really label it all out, then um, then you'll start to see, you know, that 30 to 35% of your calories coming from fat in the like fad diet, which we'll get into in a few <laughs> episodes, but in that like fad diet aspect, it's not really like low, low. It's not like 5% of your calories coming from fat. We're yeah, just saying you don't like, do all that. <laughs> yeah, we're just saying that the, the, the normal diet is main sufficient. thing to focus on is carbon. Yeah. Yeah. Normal diet and fats is sufficient. It's sufficient. So now we're going to yeah. go into fluid needs for endurance athletes, which is mm-hmm. huge, just as big as the carbohydrates almost. Yeah. So because we get carbohydrates yes. from some of the fluid that we're taking as well during a race, mm-hmm. usually you're doing like a Gatorade or some sort of electrolyte replacement during that race too, mm-hmm. back and forth from water. And so fluid needs and consumption are critical to performance and maintaining health, overall health. And proper fluid intakes affects the body in a few different ways. It regulates our body's temperature, maintains the blood plasma volume, and mm-hmm. the performance of the cardiovascular system is relies on the fluid that we're putting in. So one thing to think about when we talk about blood plasma volume, it is critical because it aids in blood reaching the muscle. Blood plasma determines the aerobic capacity of an individual. So the quicker and more efficient our blood plasma can B, the more ATP can be produced and the more aerobic capacity can be performed. So we can train this blood plasma volume. And it's important to have the fluids to be able to actually aid in giving you the best possible transportation mechanism with that within the blood. So fluids should be consumed consistently throughout the day it, through training Every single day leading up to that race, fluids should be a super focus. Um, they're different for every individual. So fluids should be replaced consistently before, during, and after, and indefinitely. Actually, in all the waking hours of our life, we should slowly be sipping water. I mean, almost in every every like living human or thing. But during oh, yeah. endurance training or performance, you have to put a huge focus, like walk around with your gallon jug and just keep sipping it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Cause you know, just like when you think about, you know, okay, so we need carbs so that we can make the energy. We need the fats and the proteins to, you know, so that we can make the boats that's going to carry the, the carbs to ourselves to make protein in the same aspect. You need your blood be, to be able to pump, you know, and stuff. So if you're having enough water, you're going to be having, you know, 
essentially the the water is going to be able to deliver the boat to all your cells and you're going to be able to have enough of it delivering faster and faster and faster. Yeah. So absolutely. So when we think about, you know, after our exercise, just like we should always be drinking water, you know, like make sure and liquids, you know, make sure that you're replacing it as quickly as possible. Um, you know, 16 to 20 ounces per pound lost. So that's kind of like a fun thing to think about. Think of like if you are doing a workout and then post-workout, did you, you know, what you lost is, you know, sweat. Did you maybe also have to go to the bathroom while you were working out? So anything that's lost, thinking about 16 to 20 ounces per pound that you lost, you know, consume it slowly and gradually too. Like you're not necessarily wanting to down an entire gallon all in five seconds, um, but yeah, still no. just like <laughs> drinking. Um, and it also does help to have like fluids with carbs and sodium and potassium too. Oh yeah. So we say consume slowly and gradually because like we want to continuously absorb that fluid. So if I just like drink a gallon as quickly as I possibly can, like just binge drink it, um, it's going to flush through my body more quickly than if I slowly keep taking in the water so my body can absorb it and use it more efficiently. That's kind of like the idea of it. So yeah. Yeah. And without getting like super, super sciencey, but it does, it does offset like a lot of the uh, mineral balances that you have in your body. So that's why you also want to have um, fluids that have, you know, carbs and sodiums and potassiums because your body's going to need those, um, those mineral levels to help essentially with like certain uh, energy pathways that you have in your body. So if you have too much water at once with no sodium or potassium in it, and then those pumps are going to work a little bit differently because the concentration levels are going to be a little different. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have it slowly and gradually, then your concentration levels are a little more even and your body works great. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So performance is reliant upon assessing and every individual's fluid needs before, during, and after a race. So this is really important during training to kind of understand what's too much, what's too little. Because sometimes, like, if I drink way too much water, like, if I took a gallon of water and went for the race, it's going to, like, slosh in my stomach because you're not Mm -hmm. consuming, like, this huge meal with it. And so then that can kind of, like, slow me down. So it's really Mm -hmm. important to kind of, through your training, learn how to drink in a way that, that is consistent but not, like, in these crazy levels of fluid that at one time that can cause you to delay your, your performance. So then fluence rank is high as carbohydrate consumption and all facets of endurance training. So like we're talking, cause that's part of some of those drinks that we're taking, like I said earlier, have carbohydrates in it and have like minerals in it that aid in the absorption and delivery of delivery of, you know, vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that we're putting in our body so we can consistently perform and contract our muscles to actually do the deed of finishing this race. Yeah. The goal. And that's the whole main goal, right? Is to finish your race happy, healthy, have strong muscles, still feel great, and you're probably still going to be sore, but not to the point where you can't move for the next week and a half. (laughs) And and that soreness can very well be related to what you had post-exercise to recover. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't eat anything after, you are not going to walk tomorrow, like 90% sure. But if you like make sure you're replacing it in the proper form, your performance, you're, you're not going to feel it the same. You're going to be ready to take on the next day more, more than likely. 
This concludes our day with the IPIC Fit Podcast, and we kind of wanted to get you some great, solid science when it comes to the diet, things to really focus on for your race that can really help you in your performance and teach you some of the little things that like maybe you didn't think about when you were training and kind of help you get to that goal that you really wanted to, to get to. And that was our goal with this podcast. So some of it might be like crazy information. You're like, where are these girls going? But we just really wanted to make sure, because after we did the last one, we were like, we need to dive in deeper with this, this, and yeah. you know, endurance training and like go, go further with the diet because it's so essential to be, mm-hmm. to being healthy and running and, and to really keep the body healthy optimally overall. And if you can play with some of these numbers, the before the race, the, 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 during the race, the after the race, during your training plan, you can really, it can take you to the next level. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions on the actual science kind of things, feel free to reach out because we love to kind of nerd out on stuff like that. Yeah, we would love to hear your guys' response. Like we would love, or questions or even like future things to go over. Like that would be so fun for us to like nerd out on because like sometimes me and Danny can talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but sometimes we don't know your perspective. Like, are we going too deep? Are we, is this, is this this, like fun for you guys? Like, is this something that you could use this information or not? But, um, Mm -hmm. so we would love to hear your feedback. So yeah. Thank you everybody. Next week we're going to be going into nutrition and timing for strength training. So similar topic, but from a different perspective, you know, everybody's got different goals going on. So yeah. yeah, stay tuned for next week's episode. So muscle hypertrophy, strength <laughs> training. Here we go. Similar to the endurance training, but for strong muscles. So thank you, guys. We love you. And we're happy. I Pick Fit. Thank you for listening to I Pick Fit Podcast. If you liked our show and want to know more, go to either IPickFit.com or She'sSustainable.com. Please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe to our channel. Feel free to email us anytime with any questions or topics of interest at IPickFitDanielle at gmail.com. I Pick Fit. <laughs>